The Department of Health and Human Services Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT recently issued Draft 2 of proposals for a trusted exchange framework and common agreement designed to promote secure, interoperable, nationwide health data exchange. So what's changed since ONC's first draft of TEFCA, which was unveiled in January 2018, especially as it relates to privacy and security issues? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Elise Sweeney-Anthony, Executive Director of Policy at ONC, who will describe what's new and different in the latest version of TEFCA. So Elise, what is new and different in this latest draft of TEFCA, especially when it comes to privacy and security requirements? Well, let me start by saying, you know, we're really excited to be at this next step in our process for getting to a finalized common agreement and finalizing the trusted exchange framework. When we released the first draft, it was a great opportunity for us to put out our best thinking on what would support network-to-network connectivity, which is one of the requirements that Congress asked us to focus on through the 21st Century Cures Act. We received more than 200 comments, and we're so thankful to all of our stakeholders who provided such helpful feedback. Um, From there, we went back and we looked at what we had, and this updated draft makes a couple of adjustments to address some of the comments we received and to really get us to that next step where the recognized coordinating entity, which will help us put this all into place, will be able to take what we've learned and put it together into the common agreement. So some of the things we've done that are updated in this draft are things like thinking about how we set up the technical standards. In the first draft, we included a lot of the technical standards within the document itself, within the MRTCs, uh, which are the minimum required terms and conditions. I will try not to use too many acronyms today. And this time, what we did is we pulled out a lot of those technical specifications and released a new document called the Qualified Health Information Network Technical Framework, the QTF. And the QTF is really designed to provide all of the technical specifications for how network-to-network exchange will happen at that technical level. I think we all know that in order for network-to-network exchange to be effective, you need to have the right policies in place, the right governance components, but you also have to have the pipes well laid out of how that exchange is going to happen. And that's what the QTF is all about. So QTF Draft 1 is out now. It's part of what folks can comment on, and we're looking forward to hear whether the technical pipes, as they were, that we've laid out are the right ones, whether we are pointing to the right standards that will really support the exchange environment that we need to bring to life what Congress has asked us to do. A couple of the other things that I would note as well is we updated the exchange modalities. So in the first draft, we had targeted query, broadcast query, and population-level data exchange. And in this draft, we have targeted query. We also have the broadcast query. And we've added a new one, QHIN message delivery. And that's really focused on being able to send information, so to push the information where it needs to go, and not just to be able to pull it, which has always been included in the draft. And then for population-level data exchange, it's something that continues to be important to ONC, but we do think there's some additional work that needs to be done to bring it to where it can be included in the TEFCA draft. So, Elise, I understand that HIPAA compliance is being spotlighted in TEFCA, as are some of the specific security controls and best practices that are part of the National Institute of Standards and Technologies cybersecurity framework, especially around identity proofing and two-factor authentication. What should healthcare sector entities know about this? 
So in, in terms of privacy and security requirements, we want to make sure that the appropriate HIPAA requirements are applying where they should. So when it comes to QHINs, all QHINs are going to be held to HIPAA. And when it comes to participant and participant members, we want to make sure that the right privacy and security suite is applying to protect the information that's being held and moving across the environment. In particular, we include particular requirements for identity proofing as well as user authentication. And to your, your point, we absolutely do point to the NIST requirements. We've worked very closely with our federal partners to think through what are the right set of information and requirements that need to be in place to support the movement of information and to support that movement of information in a secure way. And the NIST requirements do just that. We do look forward to comment on all of this, as you can imagine. Draft 2 is out for comment and will be open for comment until June 17th. So if any of your listeners have thoughts on what requirements we've included in here and whether they're the right batch, we look forward to hearing from them. Elise, you mentioned comments. Overall, the second version of TEFCA takes into account some of the comments, at least, that ONC received in the first version, especially when it comes to privacy and security matters. What changed? For instance, what I understand is that in the first version, there were some requirements that were even tougher than HIPAA, such as shorter breach notification deadlines for qualified health information networks and participants that experience breaches to notify each other. Do those requirements remain in this latest draft, or have they been changed and why? So in this draft, we really took um, to heart many of the comments that we heard. And I think one of the key things we've done in regard of thinking about HIPAA is to make sure that HIPAA applies to all of the QHINs. The QHIN requirements really are designed to make sure that wherever information is moving across the QHIN, so that, that technical tunnel, as it were, can only exist when you have not only the right technical components, but also the right policy components. Um, and in fact, when we would do some of our initial outreach and stakeholder engagement, we learned that there's a lot of successes that are happening in the industry in terms of where information is moving effectively. But that doesn't always happen for all exchange purposes, or it doesn't always happen across networks. Maybe exchange is happening effectively within a network. And what our goal has been to do is to really think about when information needs to move from network to network that we have the right set of policies in place. And as we put together draft two, we really wanted to make sure that for QHINs who are moving the information across networks, that HIPAA is applying to them as it pertains to electronic health information, which is a set of information that would have to move. So Elise, just briefly, when it comes to privacy and security minimum requirements, what should the QHINs the participants, the participant members, and individual users know about what they need to do overall? They would need to conform to the appropriate identity proofing and user authentication requirements that we've laid out. We also include requirements around breach notification regulation, which you mentioned. So QHINs, participants, and participant members would have to comply with the breach notification requirements that are under 45 CFR 164.400, through 414, actually, to be specific. And then also there's some additional areas that we've included. So one, we include a requirement that there is a written privacy summary, and pretty much that QHINs, participants, and the participant members would have to publish and make publicly available a written notice that would describe their privacy practices regarding the access, the exchange, and the use 
and disclosure of electronic health information. Uh, we actually have on our website ONC's model privacy notice, and we think that that's a good template for how that provision can be accomplished. Again, we look forward to comment on whether um, that would work. One other component that we include is meaningful choice. And that really is making sure that QHAN's participants and participant members are providing individuals with the opportunity to exercise their meaningful choice about their EHI being used or not used via the common agreement, and that that should happen free of charge. And that's an important component of what we've included here, because we do want to make sure that at the same way that information across networks needs to move for the benefit of individuals and the providers who serve them, we also want to make sure that individuals have the ability to say whether they would like that information to continue to move across the network. One other component I would note is that the common agreement, once it's finalized, would not supplant any applicable law. And this is a good opportunity for me to talk a little bit about the structure of the common agreement and the trust exchange framework. The Trust Exchange Framework, which is also out for comment as part of a, a kind of three-prong release of Trust Exchange Framework, the minimum required terms and conditions, and then, as I mentioned before, the QHIN Technical Framework. While I talked about the QHIN Technical Framework, let me talk a little bit about the other two pieces. The Trust Exchange Framework are a set of principles that we lay out that we think are critical to support movement of information across health information networks. They include things like standardization, making sure that you're moving information in a non-discriminatory way. So in other words, whether they're part of your network or hospital or not, making sure information is moving seamlessly. And that is part of what we're seeking comment on as well. And then we have the minimum required terms and conditions. And that would be the foundation of the common agreement. That's actually the document that would be signed. And the, the minimum required terms and conditions are those components that we think are so critical to be included to support filling the gaps that are currently exist in terms of where information does not flow effectively, as well as providing the foundation to support a sustainable TEFCA environment. The minimum required terms and conditions would be paired with what we call the additional required terms and conditions, which are more of the day-to-day -day operational components that would be needed to support a network of networks. And those two things together would create the common agreement. And that's what folks would come together and sign as part of participating in the TEFCA environment that Congress has called for us to do. So finally, Elise, when it comes to TEFCA, what's next? For instance, will ONC possibly make additional changes as it reviews the comments that come in on draft two? And when will we see a final TEFCA version? In terms of updating and thinking about whether what we've put in draft two includes all the right elements, that's exactly why we're putting it out for a draft two. We want to receive comments from the public to see whether what we've included strikes the right balance. What we want to make sure is that when we get to the point of having that final common agreement, that it hits the right marks, that when information starts moving across this environment that's created by the common agreement or sustained by the common agreement, that it is a sustainable network of networks. And to do that, having this out for draft two will help us to fine-tune the minimum required terms and conditions and will also provide an opportunity for the recognized coordinating entity that group I indicated would come on and help us to really uh, bring to life and operationalize the TEFCA environment, that they have all the pieces they need to make sure that operationalizing this can become a reality and an effective reality. What we're gearing to do now is we will be receiving comments up to June 17th, and at that point we would be looking at all of the comments, bringing them together, and that would be used to update the minimum required terms and conditions. The recognized coordinating entity will be awarded, so it's a, a notice of funding opportunity was released on the same day we released it, TEFCA Draft 2. 
And our goal there is to have a cooperative agreement with this recognized coordinating entity, or RCE. Once that RCE is determined and they are awarded, we hope that that would happen in August. And from there, we would work with the RCE to look at the comments we've received on this draft too, and for them to help us to put together what would ultimately become the common agreement. Um, and from that point, we would be able to move forward to getting to a point where you have a final common agreement and then QHIN's Qualified Health Information Networks actually being able to onboard to support the movement of information across the networks. Thanks, Elise. I've been speaking to Elise Sweeney-Anthony of ONC. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.